one of those songs that uh, you watch these kids' movies sometimes, and they just get into your mind, and you know you're singing them, and the kids aren't there anymore, and it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, right now, uh, that song in our house is, don't let them in, don't let them see, be the good girl. Thank you. Please, somebody help me here. You've always have to be concealed, don't feel, don't let them know. We'll let them know. Thank you. Let it go. Man, don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. You know you're singing that. Just better than me. That's fine. Just saw the Lego movie uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now I can't get that, that song of everything is awesome. Everything is good. That just gets into your brain and you can't get it out. But uh, we're in this series, uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. We're talking about happiness, and uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been looking at how maybe our perception of happiness really doesn't fit into what God has in mind or the reality of, of happiness. Thinking about this perception versus reality, a couple of pictures that kind of fit into that mind for us. Uh, ever been to Burger King? Uh, or uh, this is McDonald's. I've never gotten the Big Mac in the commercial, ever, ever, ever. Perception, uh, reality there, or maybe uh, there's the, the Whopper. Not much of a Whopper, is it? Maybe it is a Whopper, just a different kind of Whopper they tell. Um, or Taco Bell. That's just beautifully manicured meat there. Uh, there. Or uh, how many Pinterest fans out there? Trying to uh, achieve great Pinterest greatness. Uh, there's a funny Pinterest nailed it. Have you ever looked that up before? A couple of pictures for people that tried to... Uh, <laughs> perception, reality. Just trying to create uh, <laughs> that poor kid. Or uh, close. Close. Or how about, how about this one? Uh, the uh, the uh, cookie monster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the last one on Pinterest there is uh, the Minions. Yeah. Who doesn't laugh at Minions? But that's pretty scary, the bottom one there. Or art. See some artistic, you know, people in the house today. Um, there's also, you know, when we think about, like, how we look, sometimes there's a perception versus reality. Some of us uh, think that, you know, the mustache is really cool right now. Uh, what you think you look like with the mustache, what you really look like with the mustache... There's only a couple of people that pull off the mustache, Tom Selleck and Kurt Vandervoort. And that's about, that is about it. And he, both of them equally well. So, uh, and then I was thinking about myself, uh, you know, what I think about, what I, what I think I look like when I'm running is something like this, you know, why are you laughing over there? <laughs> What I probably most likely look like when I'm running is something more like this. <laughs> Perception, reality. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that uh, today of, of happiness and some of those perceptions and realities. Maybe some words as we look at the uh, Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes. Uh, Pastor Don, he laid it out in the first week and he talked about this, this word, makarios, this blessed. We see it, blessed are the, and he talked about just how that's not just a, a temporary high, but it's more of a, a full contentment. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, more than just a passing frill. 
looking for the next thing, but it's a, a whole joy, a whole happiness, and it's, it's deep. It's not a shallow thing. I, wanna, I was listening to the podcast. Thank you so much, Miss Theresa, for putting those up. We have those available if you'd like to listen to them. And he said this, and I love this statement. The happiness that God wants to give us is not in doing things and even believing things, but in found in knowing him, trusting him, and believing him at his word. If we can't know, trust, and accept him at his word, we will never, ever, 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 ever get back together or find happiness. He, I think he was listening to Taylor Swift at some point, but it's true. We're not going to find happiness if, apart from trusting God. He said this, we may do things, we may taste things or touch things from the moment that makes us happy, but it won't last. And it won't change our lives. It won't change our lives. Shallow kind of thrill happiness. Pastor Michelle dove a little deeper into the Beatitudes, took the first of four and looked at those and began to really dive into each verse. And then we want to continue that this week. And so if you have your Bibles, turn it to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 9. And why don't we do this? We'll stand up. You've been sitting for a while. We'll stand up. Yeah, I know. You got comfortable. Oh, I know. Wah, wah, wah. All right, let's read together. Matthew chapter 5. I think this is the NIV version starting with verse 9. Blessed are the pure of hearts. Verse 8. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, thank you for your word. It is living and active. Use it this morning. Speak to our hearts and help us to be obedient. And everyone said, amen. We're going to dive into some of these this different, three different beatitudes. And, and the first one, uh, blessed are the pure of heart. Now, when you think of pure of hearts, what jumps in your mind? What are, is there any images that jump in your mind? Any things? You can shout them out. It's okay. Pure. Or just go with the word pure. What kind? A baby, like a baby's bottom. I think that's something different, but uh, yes, baby, definitely pure. Something else, pure. Innocence, yes, good, good. A couple images that jumped in my mind, pure as the driven snow. I don't know what driven snow looks like, but uh, kind of a, just a beautiful white kind of picture there. There's also a thing that jumped in my mind. There's a sign, there was a purity uh, milk ice cream plant outside. It's right in front of Treveca. And they would provide the second best ice cream in all the world to us uh, at Treveca, and which would prov- also provide the freshman 10, sophomore 20, uh, and down the line there. Uh, but amazing, there's a sign out there and it just flashes at night, purity milk. Purity milk, pure, and you just, it gets in your brain. Purity milk, purity. So just that image of white milk, and just that, oh, it's without fault and beautiful ice cream. And these are some things that come in, into my mind. But when we think about purity, it, sometimes our mind jumps to this idea of perfection. And and Pastor Don talked about that and how it's, you know, 
when we're referring to purity here, it's not talking about that we're called to be, we are called to be perfect, but let's be honest, we're not perfect. If we look at that verse and say, blessed are the pure in heart, well, that eliminates, I'm not, if if you could see some things, I'm not perfect. I mean, none of us are perfect. So it kind of feels like, but that's not the reality of what's happening here. God enables us. He, he washes us. He cleans us. And, and as a quote, there's a, a purity that looks like goodness and cleanliness and holiness. And there's a purity that looks like simplicity and focus and single-mindedness. And the two are not unrelated. Soren Kierkegaard says it this way. Purity, purity of heart is to will the one thing. To have a heart that's willed toward one thing. And the heart in the Bible is not just like the physical heart, but it's like it represents the mind control center of your entire body, who you are, your identity, your essence there. And so this purity of heart and, and this desire to be one focused, to be pure is to have, be focused on one thing, and that's on God. Now that's not always, that's easier said than done, let's be honest. There's a passage of scripture, and I, I love scripture because there's truth there. There are people that are struggling just like you and I with some of these realities, some of these truths. And in Psalm 73, we have a writer who is basically, we're seeing his journal. He's opening it up, and we're seeing straight into his heart, into this journal. Listen to his heart. It's, you could just kind of feel that this dividedness that's there. It says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose heart are pure. But as for me... I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone for I envied the proud and I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. So it's looking at people that prosper in our world and became envious. They seem to live such painless lives. Everything's together, you know, with the people that are rich and famous. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear their pride like jeweled necklaces and clothe themselves with cruelty. They, uh, these fat cats have everything in their hearts they could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. Their pride, they, they seek to crush others. They boast against the, heaven, the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease. While the riches multiply, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Have you ever felt like that before? Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. We have a society that worships famous people, people that are rich. We have magazines and TV shows. and I mean, the Oscars are denied, and there will be shows about shows that talk about the Oscars and what people wore and things that, and there's this glorification of people that are rich and are famous in our world. And it, despite all of the stories that we know of broken lives, broken marriages, just hurt and just seems like headline after headline, and we see of these people that are just, things are not together this is not real happiness. And yet there's still this inner desire to have that. And you can see that torn uh, feelings inside of the author. And he goes on and he says this, Then, there's a but there, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. 
and keeps on talking. On our rise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their, their silly ideas that the people, persons dream in the morning. And then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold me in your right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Who, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. This is an ominous conversation, this torn heart of seeing and desiring and knowing the truth and, and wanting what's best. We see that kind of tornness in, in the book of Acts. And it's one of my favorite stories where the disciples post-Jesus are coming together and they go and they sell everything. The Spirit leads them to sell all their possessions. In, in Acts 4.32, it talks about how the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt like what they owned was not their own. And so they sold everything and they shared it with one another. Then there was this couple. You remember the couple's name? Ananias and Sapphira. They were a part of this group. And I kind of feel like their hearts were torn. They were part, but still not totally kind of in and totally sold out. And so they sell their stuff. The disciples come together. They're putting all the stuff together. And what happens? I don't know why I'm, I'm smiling. This is a terrible story. But the, the, the husband comes in first. And uh, Peter says, is this everything? Have you, you sold everything? And the, the man says, yes, this is everything. But in the back of his mind, he knows, no, it's not. I've kept basically half of this and given half, okay? And I'm trying to act like it's everything, but it's not. And what Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? There are men at the door, and they're about to take your body. Bam, the guy dies on the spot. Whoo. Okay, wife comes in. What happens? Uh, she says she's got the stuff. Uh, she's, all the things are in the middle of the, the pile with the church. And Peter says, well, are you sure? Is this everything? Have you sold everything? And she says, why, yes, this is everything. And Peter says this line, the men who carried out your husband's body are out the door, and they're about to carry your body out as well. Bam, she dies. I don't know why I like that passage so much. Maybe it speaks to my, I don't, this kind of dark side of me. I think it's because Peter is like so, like, there's the bravado of that. They stand at the door. and. But, but when I look at that passage, I see people that were divided. They were kind of trying to live in both worlds. And I, man, sometimes I feel that as well. Feel, sometimes I feel that, that pull. I don't know if you feel that pull there. But I can, I can kind of relate to them. I can see that. And the God who... Uh, it's just. He sometimes uh, he, he he proves his, his justice in, 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 in drastic ways. Sometimes, my uh, car got a couple of them, uh, but they're consistently. You will find uh, one thing on the windows, especially in our Mazda, where we uh, usually drive the kids all around. I have three kids, a almost one year old, a almost three year old, two year old, and tomorrow a seven year old. And uh, they enter the car, they come to places like this, and, and they get donuts and all kinds of things, and uh, McDonald's and things. And they have, kids' hands are, are filthy. We know this, don't, you, don't we, right? And so what inevitably happens on the windows of our awesome car is, uh, I don't know how, it's just like these streaks. Sometimes it's like somebody's been tortured in some way. And uh, there's fingerprints everywhere, all over the place, and uh, it's, it's just gross, okay? And uh, you feel like you, you clean this all the time, and still you just see, 
Am I alone here? Anyone feeling that? All right, okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, and so what happens is when I see this in my car and I look out the windows, a lot of times I'm just, I'm so focused on these fingerprints. I'm like, oh, the it's ugh. And uh, they're there, and I don't need to wash this. And, and in my, my Saturn, uh, the window broke. And uh, right now, it's been forever since I've cleaned it, you, it would fall down and go back up. You'd have to put it up with your hands. And so the, one, the window that's right behind me to the left where Noah sits, you can barely see out of the window because there's just hands and gross and nasty. And don't look at my car today after we leave. Um, but it's just there. And, and when I'm looking at these windows, especially that window, I can't see anything. It's just kind of just a whole bunch of, of, of goo there. And, and I've thought about that this week, and then in this image of, that we're trying to get in this beatitude, and, and sometimes, not on my car windows, but just on the windows of my life, you know, I, I had some other things as well. There, I don't know about you, but I don't I always feel like my heart's d- divided, but certainly just distracted. I mean, it's distracted by just the, by work, and uh, sometimes even play, and uh, just the things that we, the, the checklist of life. And uh, this weekend, it's birthday parties, which, I don't know, when I became a parent, they just became more, they just have multiplied. I don't know, kids' birthday parties are every weekend now, birthday parties. And sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about bills in the future. In the midst of all this, there's something that's become not just a distracting but it's kind of a division where I'm focusing a lot on me in the midst of my life. Just me, me, me. And I have to tell you, when we live this way, when they have these divisions of heart and we're distracted and they're just things that are kind of there, we focus on those things. It says, blessed are the pure of heart because they, What? They see God. Sometimes I have a hard time, I have a hard time seeing God. Um, one of the authors of Psalms is this guy named David. And man, he, he's about as honest as you can be when, if you read the Psalms, maybe it's a good place to start if you're not in the Word, uh, is the book of Psalms. And he's just, he's out there. And he just basically, he's talking about how I'm a sinner, not perfect. God, I need you. And he's crying out to God. And there's a prayer that he prays a lot, and I love it. It's, God, give me clean hands. Give me pure heart. Let me not lift my soul to another. And in a world that causes us to, to be distracted and to be divided, God calls us to be pure. And when we're pure of heart, we see God. And by seeing God, what he's saying here is you see and experience his presence. And this relationship is deeper. Maybe this morning uh, you could say, hey, my heart is divided. I feel distracted. And maybe you would be honest and say there's some sin that is kind of harbored in my life. And you feel maybe even the distance between you and God. The prayer of David is one for us today. God, give me clean hands. Give me pure heart. Lord, let me not let my soul to another. And then the experience of, of being in relationship with God is so much more clear. You begin to see him in a lot of different areas of your life, and it's enhanced. 
Now I need some Purell. Um, Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. Next, which one is it? Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. What do you think about when you think of peacemakers? When I Google peacemaker, guess what comes up? A gun. (laughs) A gun. It's a type of gun. I didn't know that until the other day. Some of you guys are like, Duh, everybody in Texas knows it's a gun. I cannot get this Purell to work. Um, But if you Google peace, guess what comes up? Peace, man, hippies. Anybody live in the 60s there? Yep, all right. Anybody have any, do you have any of that tie-dye stuff still out there? It's okay. We're amongst friends here. I was thinking about that. What jumped in my mind uh, was just kind of a couple of images here. People like peace, hippies, and uh, there we go. Um, and you talk about, when you talk about people's ears, sometimes it comes back to get you. You know, a couple of others, uh, people, I got uh, Castor Gear in there. That almost looks natural. And then uh, the guy that helped me make the first two images that's a real picture. That's not even Photoshop <laughs> from Truck or Treats. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. They will be called children of God. Now, when we think of peacemakers, maybe what jumps to your mind is a pacifist, someone that's not very active, that's kind of, maybe there's some pictures of the 60s in your mind, and like, pass the brownies, bro, and let's just, everything's cool. Uh, But this image, what we're talking about here is is quite different as far as being a peacemaker. What God is talking about is being an active peacemaker in the world. See, Jesus was an active peacemaker. (laughs) He wasn't a pacifist, okay? In fact, in one place, he even says, I came not to bring peace. I came with a sword. He is active, involved, and he was very active when he came to die on a cross. He came with a mission. He came not to just to hang out on earth and just let's just sing songs together. He came with a purpose. And the purpose from the day one was the cross. That a people that were separated from God by our own sin, that we could be made right through the reconciliation of the cross because of what he did. Some would see, you know, when he, they came to him in the garden and they arrested him and, and he basically gave himself up. Say, well, that's, that's not very strong. It's pretty strong when you're a God that could call down angels and armies from heaven and make anything happen at any point. And he chooses not to do that because of our freedom. So that, to give us freedom. Colossians says it this way. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were enemies. You were separated by evil thoughts and actions. We were separated by our sin. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ, his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. There is a term that's out there, a slacktivist. A slacktivist is someone that um, 
There's a cool picture there. A slacktivist is a combination of the words slacker and activist. And you can see the, uh, the, the combination definition there is doing something in support of an issue or cause that requires minimal personal effort. Okay, this term came about when you see these charities that like 90% of the funds that they raise are staying in the house. It's pretty scary where we uh, give some money to. That's where this phrase came about. But it's, it can basically be people that are talk big talk but they're not really doing much to back up that talk. God has called us to be active peacemakers, to be active agents of reconciliation in this world, to bring things back together, to restore creation, to restore creation. That's what he's called us to do as peacemakers. Now, what would that look like? Sometimes it looks like in the middle of worship when God is speaking to you about a relationship that's broken. He tells us in his word to go and to make things right, to go and make things right. There was a point in my life right out of college that suddenly faces started to flash in my mind, people that things were not right with, people that I had hurt in college. And I read that verse and felt God calling me to go and to do, not to sit, and to wait for someone to come and make things right with me. So I had to start writing letters. I had to start making phone calls. And that's not easy to do, folks. Being a, a peacemaker, the one that God's called us to do, is calling us to be the ones that are active in the reconciliation process. Being active in, in reconciliation and being a peacemaker, it, it, it means representing Christ in the world. Not just being brokenhearted for those who don't know him, but being the, the person that's going to be the conduit to Jesus. It's representing him in our workplaces, in our homes. It's beginning to look like him, being merciful, generous in all areas of our life. It's not just about uh, the things that we say, but the, the actions that we live. When I was a kid um, in Alabama, small town, small church, small everything, people would see you and go, hey, I, you look like someone. Oh, you're Tommy's boy, aren't you? Have you ever got that before? You're Tommy's kid or you're Sherry's son. And just by looks and actions and kind of putting that all together. And that's really what's going on here in this verse. When it says, blessed are the peacemakers because you will be called sons of God. Doesn't, we're not talking about relation, but we're talking about this Palestinian idiom of when you begin to take on the characteristics of someone, you begin to look like them. I can't think of a better compliment for someone to say, you look like God. You look like Christ in our world. You're restoring the broken, and that's our call. Next, blessed, and this is a tough one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way the persecuted, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we have this, this mindset of persecution, our perception is not a good one. It, it's not what we think of when we think of this verse of being glad, be happy. In one version, the message says to cheer about it. Uh, that's not really who we are in the world. We avoid pain. <laughs> we avoid rejection. In fact, we kind of live our lives from bumper to bumper trying to avoid those things. But the reality is this. Jesus, when he called us to be Christ followers, he did not tell us that life was going to be easy. 
Everything's going to be roses. And if someone told you that when you became a Christ follower, I'm sorry, it's not true. In fact, if we're true to form, things will become difficult. Let's look at the, the, the disciples. Pre-cross, they were scared to death. In fact, Peter, maybe one of the best disciples, denied him three times. At the cross, they, they took off on him. They abandoned him. Post-cross, post-resurrection, what happened? They were flogged. They were beaten. And they come out of this beating saying what? They said, thanking God and praising him for the opportunity to be persecuted because of the name of of Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. If you read the story of the account of Stephen when he was stoned, it's a beautiful scene, if you can call that beautiful. Before the, the stones start to throw and they start to fly, he begins to see this image of heaven and he's calling out to the Son of God, saying his name. And when the people heard, they covered their ears and that's when they began to throw stones. When we call on the name of Jesus, when we live out the name of Jesus, we will be persecuted. Jesus said it himself. John 15 says this. If the world hates you, this is Jesus' words, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I choose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is no greater than its master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. Um, in every seat, there is a, uh, if you look in front of you, some of you may have already found them. There's a, there's a screw uh, in just like the legs of the seat in front of you. If you can try to find that real quick and, and grab those. Um, there was a woman in the 1500s living in Belgium. I'll give you a second. You find it? Easter is coming, come early. We have found the lost eggs there. In Belgium in the 1500s, there was a woman. Her name was uh, Macon, and uh, she was a, a, a pastor's wife. She had two children, uh, 15 and 3 years old. And uh, 15, I believe his name was Adrian, 3-year-old Hans. And uh, one day, because she was so active in her faith and her love of God was so great, in a time where this was not accepted, we're not allowed to be a Christian out in public, she would spread the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus until one day she was arrested. And I believe it was the, the spring of 1573, she was arrested and she was sent to one of the worst prisons in, Bel in Belgium. And there she was tortured. And she was told that if you would just renounce the name of Jesus and say, I'm not, I'm not a believer and I will not say his name any longer, then you will be released. But she refused to do it. She refused to do it. In fact, we have some of her letters from prison. And, and I just want to share a couple of thoughts from there, from those letters. This is her writing to her husband, uh, Matthias. She says this, we ought to thank the Lord in adversity, as well as it as is that which is agreeable to the flesh. For if the Lord takes all of us, he takes from us no more than what he has lent us. For it belongs to us no longer. Oh, that I could always thank the Lord, as well when the flesh 
suffers adversity. And when it prospers, then we can thank the Lord indeed. Truly the Lord has said, he does forsake everything is not worthy of me. For the Lord well knew that it would come hard to the flesh. Oh, how easy it is to be a Christian so long as the flesh is not put on trial or nothing has to be relinquished. Then it is easy, an easy thing to be a Christian. Words from prison, being tortured, not relenting. On October 6th, after months of being tortured and not relenting, not refusing to say the name of Jesus, and not budging, they sentenced her to die. And she was able to write a, a couple of other letters. She wrote one to a friend. She said this, I have been sentenced. Nevertheless, I am full of joy. That I should not be able to express it with my mouth. The Lord be forever praised for the great grace he has shown me. Who has feared so much, oh, what a strong God we have, compared with what we see with the wicked. Oh, let us have good courage. And then she wrote to her son, her 15-year-old son, Adrian. On regard, not the great multitude or the ancient custom, but look at the little flock which is persecuted for the word of the Lord. My dear son, be not afraid of the suffering. It is nothing compared to that which will endure forever. The Lord takes away all fear. She goes on to write, Oh, my dear son, though I am taken from you, strive for your youth to fear God, and you shall have your mother again up yonder in New Jerusalem, where parting will be no more. My dear son, I hope now to go before you. Follow me thus as much as you value your soul, for besides this there shall be found no other way to salvation. Thus I will now commend you to the Lord. May he keep you. I trust the Lord that he will do it. If your father should be taken from you, care for one another. The Lord keep you all. My dear children, kiss one another once more for me in remembrance. Adieu. My dear children, all of you, my dear son, be not afraid of this suffering. It's nothing compared to that which will last forever. I cannot fully thank God for the grace he has shown me. I did not know what to do for joy when I was sentenced, sentenced to die. Herewith, I commend you to the Lord once more. I have written this after I was sentenced to die for the testimony of Jesus Christ on the fifth day of October in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1573. Hmm. That day in October, uh, before she was to be executed, she sent word that her son's not to see it, her 15-year-old and her 3-year-old. And because she was such a proclaimer of Jesus, they took a screw. And they took her tongue and they screwed it to the top of her mouth. So she would not, even when she was dying, she wouldn't, they knew she would sing out to God to praise God. Sons come out. They they they're about to, to light the, the torch, the, the stake that she was going to burn on. And her oldest son, Adrian, he faints just the thought of the possibility of mom. He wakes up to find just the ashes. And uh, I don't know if we have that picture, but there's a, a picture that's, that's there of her son actually digging through the ashes. And he's looking for the screw. 
I've heard this story this week, and I've kept this screw in my pocket. And sometimes I've just, just been poking it. And I've just been thinking about it. As he, he kept that screw as a reminder of his mother. I wonder how many times, just out of fear, we don't share the name of Jesus. We are not peacemakers in the world because we're afraid what that may lead to. We don't tell others about him with our lives or just even with witnessing. Well, what would they think? What would that, folks, we don't live in a world of persecution right now. In the world last year, 2,100 people died for their faith. And we're scared what someone will, will think about us at work. Well, maybe at a family gathering because we love someone so much that we try to tell them the truth. And here's where we have to find that balance that Jesus knew so well of mercy and grace and justice. He was a God that was of truth and of love combined together. And in this world today, it takes, it takes some guts and it takes some wisdom to know when to, to, to say both of those things. But I pray, I pray that I would not be one, that my mouth would be shut, not because someone did it for me, but because I do it myself. This morning as we pray, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, um, God has called us to be like him, to be pure of heart, to be peacemakers, to be even persecuted. Maybe this morning you need, as we're praying, maybe you need to ask God to purify your heart, to clean your hands and give you just a fresh start. Maybe there's some things in your life that have been pointed out. Lord, forgive me. God, purify me. Lord, I want clean hands and a pure heart. Lord, I want to be, not have a heart divided, but one that is solely focused on you and your mission in this world. God, help me to be, Lord, an active peacemaker. One that just, not one that just sits back and just watches a world that it's broken, but one that does something and follows your call. And Lord, if that leads to persecution, Lord, may I not relent. May I never stop saying the name of Jesus. May I never stop showing people your love, no matter what that means. God, give us wisdom as we pray this morning. God, your, your word challenges us. Your testimony of believers challenges us, Lord. God, you have called us. You've called us and you've spoken to us through your word, Lord. Help us to be obedient, God. Help us not to be passive in our faith. God, help us to seek a pure heart, Lord, to hate sin and what it does to us and to others. Lord, God, help us to wipe away some of the distractions, some of them good, but things that keep us from, from you, Lord, and divide our heart, God. God, help us to realize our purpose in this world, to be your reconciliators of grace and mercy and be restorers. And God, may we never be afraid to tell others about your name, what you have done for us, how you came to this earth to make things right, to forgive sinners. Lord, we need you. We need you. Praise things in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing out the name of the Lord this morning. Let's not be afraid in this place or any other place. 
Would you join us and stand in worship as we praise the name of Jesus?